This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is Will Friedle, the voice of the future Dark Knight, Batman Beyond. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. His name is Zeta. He's kind, gentle, and also a top-secret military weapon. But he's made a decision. I will not destroy anymore. Now, with the whole world chasing him. Please help. He's on the run with his only friend. I'm equipped with a built-in credit card. I can generate as much money as I need. You are so taking me shopping. The Zeta Project. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome, everybody, to episode 283 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs all of our social media accounts, it's Liam. Liam, talked about it last week, Um, there are three certain things in life, death, taxes, and the unfortunate burden of having to review the Zeta project. And uh, <laughs> let's just say it's not tax time, and uh, both of our hearts are still beating at the time of this recording. So I uh, guess we're down to option number three here as we are set to review not one, but a double feature of Zeta Project episodes today. Yep, it's uh, it's uh, it's... A puke face type of show. It's a double feature, and boy, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say off the bat. Here's a little teaser uh, for the two episodes for about reviews. I think one of these is pretty all right, and I think one of these is dreadful. So, <laughs> well, we can't wait to talk about our two episodes today. Those being Crime Waves and Taffy Time. Yep. Um, I'm curious. Because I came in, uh, well, we won't get into it here. I'll just say that I feel like based on the title, you, you're you going to judge one and assume one is going to be way worse than the other. So I'm curious to see if that matches up when we get into it. I was going to say, if you, if you listen to our, our show, our Zeta Reviews, without actually watching the Zeta Project, you may you may, you may be making the wrong assumption based on the uh, the episode titles, which one I uh, didn't care for. But we'll have to wait and see. 
That's right. Let's get into those, Liam. But before we, of course, break down our two features, we, of course, are going to do one at a time because we're not simultaneous Zeta reviews. While efficient <laughs> in getting Zeta project reviews out at the same time would be completely unlistenable and insane. Uh, perhaps if we recorded them separately and had them playing simultaneously in each speaker that would be that that might be the way to go going forward but we're not doing that today we're doing one episode at a time but uh yes we're going to get into our two reviews here uh before we do we're going to get our first of two internet movie database synopses for this week's episodes and uh the first one of course is going to be for crime waves which originally debuted here on the kids wb at least according to the not very reliable zeta project wikipedia April 14th, 2001, meaning, uh, yeah, we celebrated the 22-year anniversary of this episode's debut just a few short months ago. And, of course, our Internet Movie Database synopsis is brought to you by The Pod Tower. If you like DC animation, podcasts, and YouTube, do we have the channel for you? Head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower today and subscribe. We invite you there. Not only will you get the entire Tim Talk podcast library, which features a review of these very Zeta Project episodes from those fine gentlemen, but you also get a podcast from the Watchtower database folks, which includes uh, a current reviews of Superman, the animated series from their podcast, jump on the ba- the bat wagon, not the bandwagon, the bat wagon. And then of course the entire DCAU review podcast catalog also all featured in one convenient space on YouTube. If you already listened to your podcasts on YouTube, well, why not go over and subscribe today at youtube.com slash the pod tower. That's right. So this is the synopsis for Crime Waves, which was written by Kevin Hopps and Rich Fogel, directed by Bob Desett, with music by Lolita Ritmanis and animation by Coco. And that synopsis reads as such. Zeta and Roe meet Wade Pennington, a rich teen who finds himself harassed by a biker gang. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a port. That's like the first three minutes. I was going to, I was going to say, yeah, that covers, which honestly, <laughs> it's honestly, was... not that much deeper, right? Um, that, but there's a little bit more, uh, to it than that. Yeah. He's also very mean to his robots and, yes. uh, and he learns a lesson in the end, believe it or not. But mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as we, uh, as we, if you've not heard a Zeta project, review before god bless you uh for listening to this one uh we tend not to go into the deep 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 dives as we do on the other episodes and other reviews that we do just not only for our own sanity but for our listener sanity so we'll give the general overview for this episode is row and z find themselves on a beach waiting uh waiting to find out uh for additional news on the net as uh, Zeta's search for his creator continues Uh, in the process, the aforementioned biker gang shows up chasing down a nerdy looking chap on a bike. Uh, These are like uh, not quite the bikes that we, not anything like the bikes that we see in Batman beyond, but we've nitpicked Mm -hmm. how a lot of the, the styles changed. These are like hybrid mechanical, bikes that just sort of also happen to fly sort of like the cars uh but they chase them up and down the beach 
uh, Z steps in and manages to uh, help help uh, this mysterious gentleman escape uh, from whatever these this group of biker gang group is and what they're doing. They're harassing him. Not sure why they're chasing him down. Uh, Z steps in uh, in full disguise and helps save him chasing off said biker gang running in at the very last minute is uh is wade's bodyguard sven which is Uh much more fun to say than he is as a character but sven shows up a little too late looking uh a little worse for wear saying that his own bike happened to break down and uh he does have this uh he has this some sort of machine that he pulls out that looks like a bazooka but also like a mace or a club but it shoots some sort of ray that disables robots as we see uh him him shoot it and uh disabling a robot on the beach uh we learn that he is in fact uh zeta's bodyguard and uh we uh we we get an introduction to just who this gentleman is wade peddington his father is a famous robot creator and therefore he fits the uh he fits the the prototype of a of a spoiled entitled rich kid very well and he just happens to invite uh, zeta and uh and and row back to his palatial estate and uh it's there that they see him and just kind of get the full wade pennington experience you know he's clearly <laughs> very spoiled one of the robots he's wa- he's got all these different robots waiting on him quite literally hand and foot as we see him getting a massage from one one brings out some lemonade that he determines is not pucker worthy the the line i believe he delivers is make me pucker Right. We assume he means his lips, but we can't be sure. We cannot be sure as he shouts this at a robot. But yes, uh-huh. he's very mean to the robots. He takes his watch off and throws it in the pool because he wants to establish that the robots are not worthy of care. He throws the watch in the pool and makes the robot go to get it, which causes it to short circuit as it saves the watch. And then he has a good laugh as it malfunctions in and around the pool. Uh, as, uh, at that point, I believe Zeta and Ro, uh, excuse themselves and leave as they begin, uh, they go to a internet cafe to do further research, uh, once again, trying to track down Zeta's maker. And, uh, in the process, uh, they see a news report in that cafe noting that Wade has been abducted. And, uh, wouldn't you know it? The news media just happened to capture this conversation happening between Sven and one of the police officers that showed up. And, uh, Sven indicates that it was a dark haired fella and his little blonde girl sidekick that were likely responsible for abducting Wade. And, uh, we are sort of off on the adventure at that point as both. How could two people be more wanted by the police? Like, this is just like an extra layer of, hey, we're already wanted by the authorities. Oh, no, we're even more wanted by the authorities now. That's right. They've got they've got the feds after them. They've got local police. And I guess the private security firm that Sven works for all uh, all (laughs) hot on the trail to uh to to find out what's going on but uh but uh, Zeta and Row are eventually able to elude thanks to that handy ability that we've now established that Zeta has where not only can he transform himself but he can like 
create a wide enough hologram that it can cover row two. Mm-hmm. So they do that and they escape. And so they go looking for these, uh, that local biker gang that they had a tussle with earlier. They find their hideout. And uh, after some fisticuffs and action, uh, they reveal, in fact, very, uh, pretty quickly that the uh, the actual mastermind behind this kidnapping plot uh, was none other than Sven himself. <gasps> It'd be your own people sometimes, you know? Um, <laughs> but uh, and that kind of takes us to our, our final act here. We'll talk maybe more about it in visuals, but it's a pretty action heavy beat as uh, to confirm their suspicions. They sneak onto a ship of uh, of some kind where uh, where they where they find out that uh, that Wade is being held and uh, they thankfully they look into like the little ship the circular ship window I feel like there's a name for those but I can't uh, porthole isn't it a porthole porthole port correct they so they look into a porthole and there's uh there's Sven on his computer with a giant the biggest font you've ever seen on a computer <laughs> screen shouting like ransom money paid or something i think it's i think it says transfer complete or something ransom accepted right it might as well have said crimes completed (laughs) so uh we we now have our confirmation that sven is our our bad guy and uh and zo and uh and and zeta and ro are then uh, accosted by some of the robots uh, some of the uh, the security robots and uh, and and butler bots that we find out have been reprogrammed by uh, by Sven. Man, he's a he's a cool guy, and <laughs> and we get some fisticuffs. Uh, at this point, uh, Zeta is still disguised, but they're sort of knocked down into a lower section of the ship where they find Wade being held. And uh, when it's time to escape, Zeta here sort of reveals himself to be a robot and. Boy, Wade. Uh, Wade begins to learn his lesson about how poorly he's treated uh, other other sentient robot beings in the past. As uh, as Zeta and and Ro work together to save his life countless times, and uh, in the end, as it seems like Ro and Wade uh, can escape while uh, while Zeta is still facing off with Sven one on one, it's actually Wade who makes the decision that they have to go back and help Zeta. And uh, ultimately, they're able to. <laughs> this is actually the only good part of the episode, is that uh, is uh, when they they try to they decide they're going to help Zeta and stop Zen. Uh, Wade comes like jumping in, trying to do like a flying karate kick, and just immediately gets smacked smacked with a bazooka or something, and just knocked down immediately. It was I thought very good uh, comedic timing on that. It, uh, it does give Zeta a moment to recover. How, we really need to discuss how, like, in the first episode, Zeta gets rid of all of his weapons because he will not destroy anymore, as the uh, mm-hmm. as our intro lets us know every week. But he still has like lasers and buzz saws and stuff. Only the guns. He the gun shaped weapons were the ones that he threw away. Everything else okay. is fair game. So I guess this is like a welding laser that he's that he's shooting in this scene. Uh, uh, but it's very powerful, whatever it is, because it cuts through like metal to drop this this bell onto uh, Sven's head mm-hmm. and uh, and disable him. Regardless, Zeta his bell Zeta is rung. His bell is rung quite quite literally, and uh, and Zeta and Ro save the day. And then we get a, a little epilogue where we see Sven being let off by the police and uh, and uh, and uh, and what's his name? Wade is Wade has learned his lesson. 
he's uh, he's being nicer to his robots and has decided they're going to be his friends now. Because that was like another like throwaway line is that he doesn't have any friends and his parents are never home. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he's decided the robots will be his friends that he's making them play basketball with them. Yeah. So that's our, our, our epilogue here as, uh, as, uh, as Ro and Zeta uh, make a, make a pithy remark about the idea of uh, humans and robots teaming up together. So that's our ending. And then we get our little history lesson this week was on uh, the outdated uh, concept of paper currency. <laughs> So that's our that's our little uh, end end bumper to end our episode. So, yeah, um, I I didn't like this. I didn't care for this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, Wade, one of the least likable characters. He's like, it's lucky for him that we've had like three Bucky episodes. Yep, of Zeta to talk about because otherwise he'd be the least likable character in the history of this show, mm-hmm. and on the short list for least likable character because like we we have long since established that these robots are sentient and he's basically killing them for fun. That's like that's psycho behavior. Correct. Yeah. Um, replace the robots. Unlikely. Replace the robots with like animals, and it's like oh, right. he's laughing that he just killed an animal. Like, yeah, that's right. that's oh, this kid needs to be in therapy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's what we would deem, you know, serial killer behavior in in the real yes. world. So, yeah, not uh, not that funny, not that cool, not redeemable in my book. Yeah, and then it's like, well, he only and he only likes robots at the end because he finds out Zeta's one and Zeta saves his life. Mm-hmm. It's like he he only learns less. Oh, they're sometimes valuable, and then he decides he can make them be his friends at the end. Yep. Um, very unlikable, not redeemed at all. Um, and, uh, you know, I wish, I wish Sven had, uh, had gotten his way and offed him. That would have been <laughs> seems like an un- unlikely ending for, uh, this children's cartoon that we're, uh, that we're talking about, mm-hmm. but it would have, it would have brought my score up a little bit as, uh, I ended up with a, a very, very low, uh, three out of 10 for my plot score. Yeah, uh, well, it's not that low because I gave it the exact same score, three out of ten. I gave this show too much credit in that <laughs> I thought, and again, what we will preface this again by saying all of this, what happened to this show was not what any of the people that worked on it originally thought it was going to be. So the vision of the show got distorted. I think we say that every single time. So this is not to say we are not the target audience for what this was. However. I think even when you look at cartoons that are made specifically for children, there's a way to make good cartoons for children. And I can't imagine how much meddling was likely happening uh, based on just a little bit of what we know from uh, things that uh, creator Robert Goodman has talked about. So we know uh, there was a lot of meddling. So this is not to say that the people that wrote or were responsible for this content are not capable of great things. We're talking about the final product, right? We're talking about the final product of which we are reviewing today, which is Crime Waves. And the final project is Poo Poo. It is not very good. (laughs) Um, I, I gave it far too much credit when I expected that there would be two twists. I thought that uh, the, the real twist would be that Wade kidnapped himself in an attempt to get his parents' money in mm. a way to like screw over his parents because his parents are never around. And he's right. this lonely boy, and he's going to show them, and he'll take their money, and he'll buy friends with it or whatever. No, it's it's the guy that you assume is going to be the guy from the second that yeah. he shows up. 
is the bad guy. And and he's also just constantly being berated by the kid throughout the whole episode. Right. So it's like, if there's anyone you feel sorry for in this episode, it's Sven. Justice for Sven is all I can say. <laughs> yeah, three out of ten for yeah. the plot. It's just... Yeah, that, that's, that would have been interesting. Or like, here's an idea. Maybe it could have been like a robot uprising and the bots Ding. were behind the kidnapping. There we go. And then, then you're like, oh, the robots are tired of... of being treated like crap and now they're going to stand up for their themselves and they've decided to kidnap him and they're going to take the money and go build a robot island or something right and they could have done season two of zeta could have been avatar <laughs> but with robots instead of blue things or maybe sven turns out to be a robot these yes. are infinitely more interesting i th- feel than what we ended up with as our final product here which was very much as we'll talk about in a second scooby-doo and very clearly, mm-hmm. like big red arrows pointing at this is the guy. It's the guy yeah. that's that has a axe to grind for being treated like crap. That is a live being and not the robot. So right, yeah. right. Low scores yeah. from both of us. It's not a good story. Uh, Could have zigged in, instead of zagging, and instead they did the very predictable zag and uh, ended up with something that was just not very good. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah. You, if you put this in front of like a five-year-old, I guess maybe they get the. You can teach them the metaphor that this is like, you know, how rich people might treat their, their maids or their service staff or their, you know, their employees, and you know, you shouldn't treat people a certain way just because they work for you or they, you know, they're underneath you and and you have power over them. But it's like that's it's just so. It's just not done in an interesting way. And as right. mentioned, he isn't just rude to his staff or not appreciative of his staff. He's a weird little psycho boy. So no, right. no bueno. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yes. Agreed. All right, Liam, let's move on to visual and animation, which is going to be this week done by Coco. Uh, So... I cheated this week and uh, I don't know if you partook as well. Um, there is a, there is a, uh, a upgraded version of the Zeta project, a archived upscaled AI version of the Zeta project, which makes it about 300 times uh, more watchable for me. Uh, <laughs> and that's what I did. I watched that version instead of, uh, instead of the low grade version on, on uh on amazon uh or uh, the dvds so um visually uh this episode doesn't have a lot that's exciting we get the little chase at the beginning they have the action beat with the the motorcycle chase which i guess is interesting there's some hijinks that of course that occurs in the midst of it uh there is uh a lot of uh walked dialogue walking around sneaking around until we get to our our final scene that reveals the uh you know who our ultimate bad guy is for the episode but uh the final fight if you want to call it a fight is kind of where the main action takes place for the episode but 
another part of this show's sometimes deficiency is that they weren't really allowed to show violence of any sort of uh, magnitude way worse than like early seasons of Batman, the animated series, like just like nothing couldn't, couldn't close fist can't show a fist throwing and then cut to a a flash. There's just like it. It's always some sort of hijinks that ends up foiling our hero and it's or villain. And in this case, same thing happens with a giant bell falling on the guy's head. So, um, yeah, not I, I didn't think that there was anything bad about the episode. I think the the uh, the stuff with Zeta, I did did LOL when he gives himself a tan when Ro tells him to get a tan on the beach at the beginning. He <laughs> he darkens his skin color, uh, which was funny. Um, I think the setting for the final fight being on a boat was interesting. The different robot designs are certainly interesting. I'm sure there's probably direct homages to famous sci-fi robots. The only ones that I thought I sort of picked up on, the robots on the ship sort of have the same dome heads as R2-D2 from Star Wars. Um, They have like a a tread that kind of looks like the, I think the redux of uh, Lost in Space. Uh, The movie in the 90s had had a robot uh, that sort of looked like that, not the original Lost in Space robot, but I'm sure there's probably some DNA or there was some, there may have been some homages within the robot creations that I may have missed. But uh, yeah, uh, other than that, I, I didn't think that there was anything too terribly interesting to write uh, home about. Uh, I did find it very funny that uh, that Wade was able to outrun the motorcycles in the first scene. Thought that was pretty funny. And uh, mm-hmm. as I as I sort of alluded to, that that kind of leads me to to think of like what else there's a there's several scenes of people running there's one specific scene that looked just like uh scooby-doo is like a side scrolling run from left to right across the ship's bow i was like scooby-doo is in the dna of this show i feel like just just very much like what this show is without the, the laugh track associated with it but uh overall uh i think it's a fine episode with as far as visuals are concerned, nothing that stood out as being bad, nothing that stood out as being super uh, right home worthy. So I ended up giving it a five out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I uh, I went with the exact same score, five out of 10. I think the, the, the sequence where they go to interrogate the biker gang um, and they have the oh, yeah, fight is- where the guy has like, has like the little blowtorch that he's trying to slice Zade up with. I think that's kind of a creative setting um, for a for a fight that's not like our usual fare for a, a Zeta project. Yeah, I forgot. They, they think that the biker gang is responsible, but it, it turns out that they were hired by Sven. Right, of course. He, he of course. And I do like I do like how Sven looks like uh, New Batman Adventures Dick Grayson with blonde hair. I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> We, you know, we really don't know what happened to Dick after after uh, after after the new Batman event. Dear God, so don't knows. make up fan theories about it. Sven's <laughs> dad, please, or Sven's <laughs> brother. Maybe he met a nice Swedish girl and settled down. We don't know, but uh, <laughs> but know. no, uh, yeah, I, I think that sequence may be in the in the little gang hideout where they where they fight and it's like a like an auto auto body shop or whatever. So there's. Like well, there's bikes and there's uh and there's uh, like I said, he uses like this weird little blowtorch thing. That's, I think that's kind of a fun sequence. Um, there's an explosion uh, that happens. Yes, there's 
it's like the closest thing to like interesting action that I think happens. And then as you mentioned, yes, the sequence where, uh, where the three, the three uh, Zeta Roe and Wade, like climb up the ladder and then they start like sneaking across in single file mm-hmm. is like the most, as you said, is like the most Hanna-Barbera Scooby-Doo thing you've ever seen. So yeah. that's kind of a cute little homage there, but uh, otherwise not much to write, uh, write home about. Uh, uh, nothing terrible, but nothing particularly spectacular either. And I, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this. I like when Zeta gets sad eyes, like when his eyes turn, when he's, <laughs> when he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like I, they do a good job of letting Zeta emote in his robot form, even though he, you know, doesn't really have like a mouth or like a real face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's that we I think we talked about that when we started the actual Zeta Project show reviews in that giving changing the head was probably the best thing that they could do in order to help create an emotion, like to help you connect more with the character if they had kept the. Right. The uh, the horseshoe head it probably would have been very difficult to communicate uh, outside of his his human form uh, what you know what he was experiencing emotionally so the fact that they were able to give him eyes that emote as the robot in his robot form uh, was certainly a, a good decision I feel like all right Liam let's move on to our next category which is going to be music for this episode and uh, that was done by as you mentioned at the top uh, Miss Lolita Ritmanis and uh, I gotta say I don't have a specific piece that I can point to other than maybe the music in the intro uh, during the, the bike scene but I thought that this felt way more traditionally or similar to Batman Beyond music uh, for a lot of the action, it definitely has more of the guitar and drum and mixed with like the synthesizer as opposed to just sort of the happy go lucky goofy synthesizer as we'll talk about maybe more in our second episode. But it's uh, it was refreshing. I I I think that if uh, if the the show had been allowed to have been as dark as Bob Goodman's original uh, view of it could have been that this would have been an integral part in in making it feel like you're playing in the same sandbox as beyond and that's that's what sometimes makes these episodes i feel like so difficult to review is that it's supposed to be in the same time in the same area in the same universe as batman beyond and nothing feels the same uh, and uh, even down to the music choices sometimes. So the fact that this one is at least grounded and, and has that similar rock aesthetic made me, made me appreciate it a little bit more than I would. I think standard fare again, I don't think there's one piece that I'd point to and it's like, yes, that's, that's a great, that's a great piece to listen mm. to that. I'd like to listen to in isolation, but I feel like the soundtrack did what it was required to do. You have that final piece take place uh that final scene take place on the on the ship the 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 fight some good soundtrack as the as the tension builds between zeta and sven you know what's going to happen who's going to come out on top uh so yeah overall i ended up giving music a, a six out of ten um i think that it's uh it's better than the standard fare and miss ritmanis did uh did a, a great job of kind of grounding it making it feel at least musically adjacent to the beyond series yeah, that was actually the note I had as well, especially in the the action sequences. A lot more guitar driven than uh, I feel like our previous few Zeta episodes. Maybe it's because we were dealing with more like traditional criminals 
mm-hmm. for some of that scene. So she thought it made more sense to bring in some of that music there. But yeah, I thought that was kind of a nice, a nice change of pace. And uh, like you said, nothing, nothing super stand out, but a, uh, a solid job, uh, not unexpectedly from Mr. Ritmanis. So uh, yeah, I ended up settling on uh, just kind of a middle of the road, five out of 10 for my music score. If I didn't already say that. All right, man, let's move on to our final category of the day, which is going to be voice acting. And uh, this week we have not uh, more more of our our standard cast. We have a couple of I would say recognizable by name and maybe role, but he's named that Baldwin brother, except it's not an actual <laughs> Baldwin brother this week. He's not related, just happens to have the same last name. But uh, let's talk about this week's voice cast for our first episode. That's right. Um, so we uh, uh, in our in our minor role. I will just mention because of who he is, uh, Tom Kenny voicing uh, one of our thugs. And I think also the Butler bot, um, of course, the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants himself and a trillion other cartoons, but uh, fun to hear him pop up. Very. He's one of those voices you just hear immediately and you know who it is. So fun to hear him pop up in a, in a small role there, but uh, yes, we have a uh, Adam Baldwin as, as the aforementioned Sven, uh, doesn't try to do a Swedish accent, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yes, we would know him uh, from the TCAU. We would know him probably playing Rick Flag in a couple of episodes. Um, and then you might know him in, in his live action work from things like Full Metal Jacket and Serenity. Uh, he does, he's got a he's got just kind of a, a certain gravitas and menace to him that I appreciate. I don't think he gets much interesting or really anything interesting to do in this role. Um, cause even when it's revealed, he's the villain, it's not like he takes a super sinister turn in his voice or whatever. It's, you know, he's just kind of got this like stern, you know, a little bit of a gravel to his, uh, to his voice kind of no nonsense guy, but you know, he's fine. He does, he does what's asked of him. Yeah. I, I don't have any strong critiques. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't, I, you know, I don't know what the direct we obviously don't know what the direction was, but seemed to fulfill the role as, as, as what was needed for the episode. Absolutely. And then uh, our, our other main guest star, um, Chad Lowe, playing Wade Pennington. Folks probably know him, at least in the D.C. world. A lot of, a lot of minor uh, voice acting roles. He did play Cosmic Boy in uh, Superman, the animated series. Hmm. Um, but uh, also has done a lot of work as a director, especially a television director, including for things like the live action Flash and Supergirl uh, series. So... Uh, has a, a little bit more work, perhaps better known for his work behind the scenes than in, than in front of the camera or in the voice booth in this case. Um, let me just say, Chad, I think, is supposed to be a child. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Wade, I think, is supposed to be a child. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad Lowe did not in any way attempt to sound like a child. Mm-mm. He's like a reverse of uh, Mayor Hill's son. Mm-hmm. who had a child's voice, but looked like an old, old man. Um <laughs> This guy sounds like a 43-year-old man, but he looks like a teenager. Correct. Um, Interesting. So for that reason, yeah. <laughs> for that reason, like, nothing against him. Again, as always, I'm sure he was just doing what was asked of him, but kind of a weird choice. And I thought very distracting the whole time. So I didn't really enjoy his performance as Wade. And not to mention, as we've already talked about, Wade is a wholly unlikable character. So maybe my dislike for the character was also bleeding over into my dislike of his uh his performance 
Is it wrong? It's nothing against Chad Lowe, but I feel like Rob Lowe, his brother, would have been a better <laughs> casting option. Just him doing his character from Parks and Recreation as as this character would have been in, infinitely more entertaining. So, yes, I'm sure Mr. Lowe is a, <laughs> is a wonderful human being uh, and a uh, well, actually, I don't know that. I will, I, I'm sure he's a wonderful actor. I don't think that if he was cast as or I think that if he was cast as an adult male for this role, it would have been a little bit different. But because he seems to be playing a bratty kid or at least a bratty teenager, it's it is very odd. It was a very odd choice. Um, so it's hard to separate the performance from the character overall. But yeah, it's not a bad performance. It's just maybe the wrong performance for this character, perhaps. Yeah, I just like I said, I didn't like the performance. I don't I don't play like you said, you don't necessarily blame him as an actor. Just kind of a strange. I just didn't I don't necessarily think he was right to write for the part here. And uh, like I said, just didn't like the character mm-hmm. in general. Um, and his uh, his performance did not exactly uh, help that again. Not that I blame him. For that, just I just don't uh, don't necessarily know that he was right for the part. So, um, and then moving on to our our, our two main players, those of course being uh, Julie Nathanson as Roe and Diedrich Bader as Zeta. As always, if there's a saving grace to this show, it's their performance and their chemistry together. But uh, they don't have much to do. Like it's a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of Wade and Sven in this episode, and 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 Butler Bot. Like I I feel like. There's a little bit, I think, where they get to kind of talking where Roe is basically, when they find out he's kidnapped, kind of just wants to look the other way because of what a what a jerk he was and isn't really interested in helping him. But Zeta's uh, Zeta's need to uh, to protect the innocent and to to save people uh, is kind of overriding his his heroic qualities. Um, there's there's a little bit of interesting, but again, uh, again, would have been a very interesting. Uh, potential subject for an episode of of zeta having to in fact maybe we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes here episode where zeta has to save someone that uh, that hates and fears him but uh, we don't really explore that too deeply unfortunately but uh you know as always a pretty good job done by uh by miss nathanson and uh and mr bader yeah absolutely yeah not not as much for them to do for the episode uh but uh we can see here where what is this eight or nine episodes into the into the first season here really hitting their stride i feel like as far as their their chemistry is concerned and uh yeah uh it, there's there's some quick cute quip, uh quips and banter of course the the usual suspects as you expect for each episode and uh they do a do a fine job there is one part where uh the scene where zeta and and rogue go to that biker gang hideout uh i thought that uh, it was pretty cool that you kind of get a what if zeta was batman type type line he like shakes the guy down because he's looking for where wade is and he's like where is he where are you hiding him and it's Mm -hmm. not quite like it's not quite batman but it's like hmm, this is a little foreshadowing that this guy could could eventually be a very good Batman. So, yeah, I liked that scene overall. We forgot to mention what we were doing in the review. But, yeah, that scene overall was actually pretty pretty fun. And I felt like that's the type of – that would be an interesting dynamic to this character if he was willing to kind of embrace that at times to be a – 
the more like intimidating, uh, you know, lean into the intimidating factor as a robot. So yeah, I liked that. Um, I didn't think again, everything was fine as far as the, the, uh, the casting choice perhaps, uh, for the 35 year old man as a 15 year old boy, notwithstanding. Uh, but I ended up giving our voice actors for this first episode, a uh, six out of 10. What about you? Um, <laughs> no, uh-oh. I went a little lower. Oh. Uh, because again, I just didn't care for for Mr. Uh, for Mr. Lowe's performance, uh, so I went with a four out of ten for my uh, my voice acting score. I just I just don't think there's anything there in the voice acting performances. Like I said, I, I always Dietrich Bader and Julian Aitken do a good job together, but they're they don't get much to do, and uh, and otherwise it's uh, it's Adam Baldwin uh, providing a serviceable but forgettable performance as Sven. And uh, and and Mr. Lowe as uh, as Wade, uh, a character that I cannot stress enough. I hate. <laughs> so uh, again, that might be that might be the the plot dragging the voice the the voice actor down unfairly. Maybe this would be a five on other weeks, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm in a, I'm a little bit sour mood right now. So he gets a four. We're getting a four for voice uh-huh. acting this for this episode. Hey, that as Bobby Brown said, that's your prerogative. So you know, <laughs> do what you got to do. Uh, Liam, that will bring us to the end of our scores for this first episode of our double feature. Wrapping everything up here, I end up with a 20 out of 40. What about you? And uh, somehow I ended up a couple points lower, I guess, as a, uh, I ended up at a 17 out of uh, 40. Skip it. <laughs> yes. There's really literally like they, they pay lip service. They're like, aren't we supposed to be looking for Dr. Selleck? And they're like, yeah, we can't find anything. We're not doing it this week. Like that's basically <laughs> they might as well have literally said that. Like this is a filler episode, everybody. Yep, skip it. All right, Liam, part two of our double feature right now as we go uh, and uh, let's get our second official IMDb synopsis of the episode for this episode, Taffy Time, which according to the Zeta Project Wiki debuted on the kids wb back on may the 5th 2001 again 22 year anniversary just passed uh, earlier this year all right this is the synopsis for taffy time which is written by joseph kerr and rich fogel directed by kurt gata not tim maltby music by lolita ritmanis and animation by coco and that synopsis reads as such Zeta is targeted by a bounty hunter. The bounty hunter captures Agent Lee and uses her as bait for Zeta. That is, in fact, what happens. It's a very That's literal it. descriptor. Yeah, I was going to say, and like usually, you could at least like we could when we do our our, our plot synopsis, which we can get into here. Uh, we would be like, okay, we'll just like touch on when it changes scenes for the most part. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't really change scenes very much. No. We uh, start out. Yeah, I, I would just like to know where they where they're starting out. They're running through the jungle. Is it the mm-hmm. rainforest? Are they on another planet? What? Where are they? Yeah, so they're just in a forest or a jungle, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's Agents Lee and West are chasing them in one of their weird little hover truck things with a and, tortoise uh, shell on the front. Right, and and Lee and West are kind of bickering and. and and uh, and uh, eventually, as uh, as Lee and Wester are chasing down Zayd and Ro, uh, a mysterious device hits their ship, and uh, they have to make an emergency crash landing. 
So uh, Zeta and Ro get away and, and Agent Lee decides she's going to go off and search uh, for them in the woods by herself uh, while, uh, while waiting, uh, while, uh, while she keeps Wes back at the ship to try to repair the radio so that they can call in for help. And uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, as, as they're wandering through this forest, I guess we find out that this is all the villain's plan was to get them to this spot and lure them here. But again, we don't know how they got to like this general area, to your point. Right. Um, but yes, uh, Zeta and Ro, as they're walking, trying to, uh, trying to keep, keep their distance from Agents Lee and West, they discover what else but a giant candy factory with like a literal, what appears to be a house literally made of candy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and Ro even makes reference to the, the Hansel and Gretel fairy tale as a, a mysterious stranger that they can't quite see uh, shouts at them from, from the building and tells them to come inside and, uh, and that uh, he'll give them shelter from uh, their impending attackers. Yes. And just like, uh, just like your parents told you when a stranger invites you into their house of candy, please <laughs> enter. So, uh, yeah, they, we get a little, little backstory as we get a, uh, a row recognizes the candy house as part of the koala candy factory. And, uh, some Cody throw, koala. what is it? Cody koala, Cody koala candy. There's factory. never been a mascot called Cody. Cody Koala, Cody the Koala. Now, not like, my... I assume it's like Chucky. E, like I don't know. It's like is it Chucky e. Cheese? Like I couldn't quite tell what this was like. You would think they uh, would want to spoof some sort of candy, though. But like, right? It's yeah. not like it's not like Willy. Like I'm trying to think if there's like Cody Koala is alliterative, just like Willy Wonka. So right. Perhaps... Okay, maybe that's it. Yeah. Like I couldn't think of like a, a an animal like chocolatier mascot or, or or candy mascot off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's one out there. We do get a line later on. It is a direct line from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> so I'm going to assume that that might be, uh, that might be a, 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 at least an inspiration. I don't and know. we get a song as we'll talk about later. Oh, do we get a song? Yeah. So the Cody Koala Candy Factory, the Cody Koala Candy Company, apparently up and moved out quickly overnight, which explains why the factory is filled with food supplies still, I guess. That's why that line was said. Mm-hmm. But as uh, as Ro and Zeta make their way up to this figure in the shadows, he reveals himself as not being Dr. Mindbender's son as uh, from <laughs> mixed with Winter Soldier. Uh, it's like if Dr. Mindbender from G.I. Joe and Winter Soldier mated, they would have this guy, Crick, who turns out to be our our uh, our main adversary for the show. Spoiler alert. Uh, he reveals himself uh, to be a bounty hunter and uh, that he's there not to help Zeta and Ro, but he's going to collect a rather large bounty on both of their heads and uh it's at this time, just when it seems like uh, he's about to kind of close in, uh, Zeta does his best to remove Zoe for, uh, Ro from trouble. Zoe. Zoe is like Zeta and Ro together. So Zeta does his best to remove Ro from trouble and throws her through a garbage chute, uh, allows her to escape the factory, leaving just Zeta and Crick mono a mono or robot a mono. I don't know. Or 
the other guy's half robot too. He's got a robot arm, so he's I don't a know. Cyborg. He's, he's part machine. That's he's right. A cy- he's a cyborg, and Zeta is an android. I believe would be the uh, the proper definition. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate the clarification. That is very important that we're we're keeping <laughs> that straight here. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, cyborg v v android dawn of candy or something takes place here as we go through. <laughs> uh, and uh, just as when it seems like Zeta is done for breaking in, Agent Lee, who went off to try and track down uh, the aforementioned Zeta and Roe, breaks in, spots them, and has a rather large weapon that she pulls out and tells Crick that he needs to uh, to drop everything. Crick explains once again that he's a bounty hunter and he's there to collect a bounty. He attacks Agent Lee, and apparently he's done enough research, uh, as he tells Agent Lee later, that Zeta is a good robot, and he won't let anything happen to Agent Lee. So he immediately begins threatening Agent Lee's life, and when Zeta doesn't show up, he doesn't kill her. He just puts her in cuffs and leads her around till he gets to the electrical room so he can turn on the power to the factory, uh, which turning it on uh, introduces us to the, the jingle that you mentioned, the Cody Koala candy factory jingle, which mm-hmm. uh, has so many lyrics to it. Uh, we'll touch on that in, in music, but uh, yes, we get the Cody Cody Koala factory jingle talking all about making candy. We see that there are these, uh half robot half well they're full robot but only half of their bodies are covered with koala like features uh wearing little costumes they're the ones helping make the candy i guess that maybe i don't know there's a series of these robots marching around that look like koalas but have robot feet uh they are marching around they're singing the song and uh, the conveyor belts are turning on, the stoves are turning on, the chocolate is melting, and they're making candy and taffy and all of the good stuff. So uh, that, as that goes on, uh, Agent Lee, again, is being paraded around, and uh, he, Crick is trying to get Zeta to show himself. He's continuing to sneak around. Meanwhile, outside, Ro is uh is trying to get back inside but unfortunately when the power was turned back on a force field was also turned on the factory complete with a force field who'd have thunk it am i right <laughs> uh so there's a force field that's turned on and uh, crick reveals that his purpose for do- doing so is not to trap everybody inside but to keep agent west out so Ro is out there trying to figure out how she's going to get back in. She happens to stumble upon, wouldn't you know it, a rat eating a piece of chocolate that leads her directly to a sewer grate. She knows in this moment that uh, this is going to be her way back in. But wouldn't you know it, just at that time, she's about to enter the sewer grate. She's interrupted by Agent West, who is having none of this and wants to arrest her on the spot. But uh, she lets him know that her partner, his partner is stuck inside with Zeta and He's going to be the hero and rescue everybody, but uh, he has to, he doesn't trust Roe to go first. He has to go first. That's right. And so, of course, Roe, uh, feigning shock and surprise, allows him to run directly into that electrified gate and knock himself unconscious. And so she, at that point, uh, she handcuffs him to the metal grate and then begins to make her way inside uh, as we, as we continue our final battle. So uh, as uh, as Crick, our uh, our bounty hunter, continues to uh, 
try to to try to uh, stop Zeta. He he's got these very uh, convenient gadgets, including he has this little this little monocle, as you mentioned, his Doctor Mindbender thing, um, which allows him to see Zeta through Zeta's disguise. So Zeta tries to disguise himself as one of the little koala bots. That's, did we mention that all of the all of the all of the factory workers are Cody koalas. Yes, they're ha- they're like, but the... for some reason, their legs aren't koala legs. They're robot legs. Correct. So they got the, <laughs> they ran out of budget to to finish taxidermying the uh, the bottom half of the robots. But mm-hmm. but yes, yeah, so he's uh, he's seemingly overmatched. Agent Lee, despite being uh, un- uh, disarmed by uh, by Crick, has won a trick up her sleeve, quite literally. As she uh, she pulls out some sort of a flashbang device that blinds Crick and uh, and destroys or shorts out his uh, his special monocle that lets him see Zeta and uh, Zeta. So uh, he does what anyone would do at that moment and decides he's going to tie Agent Lee to the the taffy machine mm-hmm. and uh, and stretch her out. If Zeta doesn't uh, if Zeta doesn't come forward, he's gonna he's gonna. He's going to stretch her out. So uh, Zeta, having helped, uh, having reprogrammed one of the Cody Koala bots to uh, to be used as a distraction and uh, and weakening the supports that are holding this walkway above, uh, they cause cause a big uh, cause the walkway to fall down and seemingly crush him, which uh, infuriates Crick because he's convinced now that uh, Zeta is destroyed and he won't be able to collect his bounty. Uh, Row and Row and Agent West come in. We get some slapstick. Row kind of helps, uh, is able to help uh, uh, Zeta when he when it looks like Crick has him dead to rights. And finally, uh, as it looks like uh, once again, Crick has uh, as Zeta dead to rights. Agent Lee actually makes the makes the call to kind of uh, distract him, and that allows Zeta to finally defeat him. And then uh, as it seems that uh, Agent Lee now has Zeta dead to rights, however, uh, she notices that Agent West has gotten himself in a real slapstick pickle as he's still uh, handcuffed to the big metal grate and uh, is now hanging precariously over a ledge. So she very clearly and intentionally allows uh, Ro and Zeta to escape and uh, has kind of seemingly has uh, has been been clued into the fact that Zeta is not the uh, the uh, the monster killbot that uh, that Agent Bennett has has uh, convinced her he was, and she now has her doubts. Though uh, Agent West, of course, being completely oblivious to all of this around him, is just uh, just a little upset that uh, that uh, that Zeta and Ro were able to uh, to get away from his partner, and uh, that's kind of how we end it. Yeah. Um oh, and our, our little bumper this week is just chocolate because Ro likes chocolate, even though as Zeta points out, we still have chocolate in the future. This isn't a history lesson. There you go. Yeah. And uh I don't know if we I don't know if we mentioned I think you mentioned it, but the the collar thing that it was, it was oh, very yes. clear. So Crick had this device that was a collar that was gonna disable and allow him to take Zeta in. Uh during the the uh the happenstance, this was picked up by by agent Lee. She had it in her possession. She tells agent West at the end that she had to choose between uh, standing there with, with Zeta and Roe or saving him. And she didn't have any way of, uh, of detaining 
Zeta. But then uh, our last shot is her taking the after she saves uh, Agent West and he's bragging about how uh, he saved her. She takes <laughs> the collar, uh, turns away, takes the collar and hurls it into uh, one of the vats of chocolate. So, uh, again, giving you that idea that she's uh, she's perhaps changing her thoughts on uh, on on how Zeta, how she perceives Zeta. So uh, definitely leading to some intrigue further down the line. But uh, as we mentioned at the top here, Liam, um, I think going into these episodes blind, just with titles, I would have assumed uh, I would have hated this episode. Mm-hmm. And I was pleasantly surprised that I actually found it more enjoyable, at least. Perhaps maybe this is a this is a case of if I had viewed this on its own, I wouldn't have liked it as much. But because <laughs> I was comparing it to the previous episode... I liked this episode a lot more than the other episodes. So um, I thought it was at least interesting. The stakes seem pretty high. Uh, we have people that are in danger. We have violence. Uh, some, Even though it's mostly intimated at the end, we have some severe consequences for our bad guy. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I, cut I, off if I didn't. Yeah. Zeta, Zeta uses his buzzsaw hands. Yeah. We get we get uh, metal arm versus buzzsaw. We get we get a lot of interesting interesting stuff here. So, um, and and the fact that you kind of have this this turning of of one of the agents here who's starting to not believe in the mission uh, based on her interactions with Zeta. Uh, it, that's also very interesting. That it's going to add an interesting dynamic to that character and how the interactions go forward. So, uh, yeah, overall, I thought that the plot. While it's interesting because it only takes place in a very small area, it didn't really need to expand beyond this goofy chocolate factory. Um, That actually adds a lot of fun, I feel like, to the episode because it does take place in this candy factory and there's all these other goofy elements to it with the koala robots and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't go far as to say I really 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 enjoyed this episode but i definitely enjoyed it more than our previous episode and ended up giving plot a six out of ten which may be the highest plot i've given a zeta project or at least tied for a zeta project episode (laughs) thus far yeah i gave it the exact same score i think it's it's a solid little adventure it's interesting once again uh, uh zeta kind of put into a position where he has to to value human life there's a line where crick says it's it you would think he's been programmed to protect human life at all costs that's how Mm. that's how much zeta you know values human life and will do anything he can to prevent uh to prevent a death even one uh for agent lee who's been been hunting him and trying to capture him the whole the whole run of the series so like it's interesting beat for for zeta we get to see some character we it feels like Agent Lee's a real character on the show now. Right. As opposed to like her, like Agent West has at least kind of got like the bumbling slapstick kid thing, you know, bumbling agent in, in a few episodes, but Agent Lee really hasn't done anything. Right. <laughs> other than been like, you know, tri- him, her and West like tripping over each other when they're trying to arrest another episode. So it's like, oh, she's a character now. We're seeing depth. We're seeing, of, we're furthering the story. Like right. we fur- we furthered the story in the first couple episodes of like Zeta learning his creator's name and you know trying to track down leads. We've talked about that the fugitive, incredible Hulk style uh, influences on the show. 
But now it's like, oh, the agents that are chasing him are now starting to, or at least one of them is starting to have doubts about the overall mission. So they're not just this, you know, uninteresting, bland boogeyman who shows up once an episode to chase Zeta now. Like there's some, there's something interesting happening now. So I think that's, that's fun. And then, uh, yeah, as mentioned, uh, given that it's set in a candy factory, uh, you wouldn't necessarily expect it to be as uh, as uh, as uh, action packed and interesting as it is, and we'll talk about that more in visuals certainly. But uh, yeah, I think I think Crick has uh, some good menace as a villain too, and and uh, his uh, his uh, you know some of the things that he sort of implies, like when he's going to hook her up to the taffy machine and stuff, like he's a He's a real uh, sinister guy, so I think they they do some good stuff. Uh, one one trivia note we did see, which is thanks to a an interview on World's Finest uh, website, our, our friend James who works over there. Um, uh, writer Joseph Kerr, one of the writers for this episode, mentioned that uh, this was always kind of pitched by him as a a hunter hunted story with Zeta and Agent Lee captured and being hunted by somebody and uh apparently robert goodman and and uh and rich fogel had suggested actually bringing in a another batman beyond connection and using the stalker as the villain uh but uh apparently kids wb decided they should use this crick character who i guess was a a character that was designed or at least thought up for the uh for the show bible uh, when the show was first being uh, created but they had not found a found a use for so they decided to stay in house rather than doing a crossover and that's fine like i don't think this episode would have been tremendously better if it was the stalker running around a candy factory right but it would have been i mean it would have at least it would have been more interesting for overall dcau fans if uh if another character like that crossed over here but uh overall i think what they did was fine and like we said it was a, it was a good episode showing you know the heroic qualities of, of zeta and roe and uh, and an episode like we said that gave uh, gave Agent Lee a little bit of a personality for the first time. So a thumbs up there. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree, and that's uh, reflected in our at least for Zeta higher scores than usual. Double we doubled our <laughs> score from our first feature. So Absolutely. there's a lot there. All right, Liam, let's talk about visuals and animation now. As you mentioned at the top, Coco is responsible for our animation for the episode. Um, I guess we can talk a little bit about Crick's design. As I've mentioned jokingly at the top, it definitely gave me Dr. Mindbender from G.I. Joe vibes with his <laughs> monocle sure. and his long purple jacket. Uh, as hey, I why also is everybody wearing purple on this show. Like... <laughs> they love the bright colors. I'm guessing it was probably a mandate <laughs> from the, uh, uh, from the, from the, the, from the execs at the uh, the network, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Could, well, it's like in the old days, like in the Tiny Toons Batman the Animated Series days, the answer would be because we only had like 10 colors, mm-hmm. which is why like Robin's color on his sleeves and pants is blue sometimes because they only had like that, whatever the color of the duck in Tiny Toons was, was like, that's the green that we have. <laughs> Right for uh, for for our episodes, at least for that first run of episodes, so you see you see Robin looks kind of weird in a lot of those episodes, but like I don't I don't I don't know what the answer would be in the digital color age, other than it's a bright it's a bright color, uh, but you know you can't give him like pink or neon green, I guess. So purple is like the most menacing of bright colors, I guess. 
You heard it here, folks. Liam declares purple the most menacing of the colors. Hey, uh, you know, you know, Ray Lewis wore purple, and uh, and then you know the the Ravens defense of the year two thousand. Right the, there, the we most go. Defense in NFL history. Uh, Vikings, uh, Minnesota Vikings, and absolutely, the NFL were known as the Purple People Eaters. Yeah, so I, I guess yeah. it is a more menacing color than I than I first uh, first <laughs> first glance. But at least in athletics, I don't know about superhero <laughs> stuff. But the... anyway, I, I yeah, the design was like he has like the the ammo pouches on his chest and the big metal arms. You mentioned it's a very maybe not the color palette, but the design feels very like. Uh, 90s like rob liefeld x-force yeah. like Absolutely. image image comics yep uh type of thing like there's so definitely you... some cable or mm-hmm. who's the uh bishop like there's some sort of like giant muscular dude with and doesn't cable have a uh have a metal arm too like isn't that part of his uh isn't that part of his character doesn't he get yeah a he does yeah he does have a, a big metal arm and uh he has like he this is this is don't get mad at me because I don't know my X-Men lore that great. It's all from like the back of action figure packages and uh, whoever was in the cartoons that I saw, but Cable is a mutant, but he has a, like a, a disease where his body is turning metal. Right. So he has like a half metal arm and like part of his face is metal, I think. Yeah. So it, maybe that's, that's part of the, maybe that was the general idea or homage to this character is having some of that nineties, like big ripped muscular mm-hmm. extreme dudes you know that uh that that uh were sort of ubiquitous during that time in in the comic book industry an homage to that that uh definitely at least uh appears that way at the at first glance but with the uh the metal arm and all the pouches and all of that stuff but yeah very interesting design interesting that he wasn't necessarily designed for the episode and they were just like yeah this guy looks like he could be a bounty hunter use this character model mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and then it works out pretty well but uh yeah i i think that the as we mentioned it taking place at a at a candy factory while it does ground it in like a little bit of silliness they did what they could to make it as goofy and or as le- uh less goofy and more menacing as you mentioned the Scene where he first of all takes Agent Lee and puts her in the cuffs and is leading her around, and then I believe he utters a line, uh, I'm gonna enjoy this before cutting to break. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we come back and she's tied up with like a lollipop in her mouth. Uh, yeah. is this the uh, the writer's vaguely veiled or <laughs> poorly veiled fetish uh, thing? <laughs> The meme, or is this uh, just we're trying to make this guy out to be uh, a really, really bad guy here? I don't know. Not for me to say, <laughs> but uh, I could I message me offline and I'll tell you which one I think it is. But <laughs> yeah, it's uh, he he they did their best to make this a menacing, a menacing end. He's threatening to essentially pull her apart in the middle mm-hmm. uh, if he by f- pulling this latch and and disemboweling her I, I guess so yeah it's uh it's an interesting it certainly like balances out as being like a light and goofy thing but I think we've seen you can see that in pop culture and horror movies and wherever where you take something that's sort of innocent and kitty and friendly and you kind of flip it on its head and making make it out to be mm-hmm. this 
horrifyingly scary thing. And that's kind of what they did here. They, they didn't turn the robots evil or make them like, you know, super scary or intimidating, which I thought they could have, or mm-hmm. I was kind of anticipating them doing at some point, but uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's fine. It, it, like I said, it, it definitely didn't hurt the episode that it took place here. If anything, I felt like it, it, it enhanced it. Um, any thoughts on our, our Cody, the koala character design, or do we need to talk about that? I thought he was cute. Yeah. He's a cute little, cute little guy. Yeah. There's definitely maybe a missed opportunity to do like a, uh, a prototype, uh, saw or uh, five nights to Freddy's or something there with the, mm-hmm. with the cute little mascot turning, uh, turning murderous or whatever. But yeah, I thought it's a fun thing. Some of the actual like action beats when they're, when they're fighting, there's a bit where like uh, Zeta's kind of knocked back and he sort of realizes he's up against this big vat. And he does like this, like Burt Ward Robin thing where he like, kind of like picks his legs up and then like kicks out and does like a mule kick on, on, on Crick and knocks him back. Like I was like, Mm -hmm. well, that's kind of cool. You don't really see like Kung Fu or like hand-to-hand fighting in this show very often right so, uh, I was like, I thought, so i thought some of those sequences the sequence where uh crick is we get to see several times him looking through that monocle as mentioned it kind of allows him to just see whatever it see, lets him see in the dark and then it lets him see through the the zeta hologram so when you, you sort of see his pov of all of the uh all of the Cody Koala bots walking and then we see him see through the hologram and we see little Zeta trying to sneak his way through and then he shoots and like blows out his knee and we see like all the wiring coming out. I thought that was a pretty neat, neat sequence as well. So yeah, I think they gave like a, they gave uh they definitely gave Crick some, some like physical menace and, and, uh, and formality, uh, f- formidability, formidability. <laughs> That sounds formidable. Right. Formidable. Yes. They made him formidable. Let's just right. say that. And uh and uh I thought that was reflected. And it ended up being, as mentioned, kind of a, an action heavy episode. Um and even even some of the, the, the slapstick stuff with uh with Agent West I thought was was pretty fun as well with the uh with the bit where he's he decides he's gonna triumphantly walk ahead and and Ro is just kind of standing there with her hands on her hips, waiting for it to happen. And then we just hear the, we just hear the electricity and then we see his body collapse. Like I thought that was kind of a fun bit as well there. And then as you mentioned that, that last shot of her kind of once she tells agent West that she had no way to stop Zeta, And then we get the reveal that she, she was still holding the collar and then she tosses it into the, into the vat at the end is a, is a pretty good visual as well. Yeah. So, last Last thing uh, I'll mention before you give your score uh, is uh, can we talk about how they intimated that that something happened to Crick's face, whether it was burned off or like injured in the explosion Mm -hmm. and some they there's this giant boiling vat of chocolate that explodes. He's in the explosion. He lands. Agent Lee goes over to check on him and they never show his face again. Zeta asks if he's going to be okay. She pauses and then she says, he'll he'll live or something like that but we don't yeah i thought that was i was like a all little, right a I, harvey no here yeah little, like <laughs> hey two face beyond here yeah i don't i don't know enough about the show to say whether or not this guy returns or not but it was at least a little hey if this guy comes back maybe he has a cyborg face on top of his cyborg Ooh. arm or something but uh yeah very very interesting that it f- felt like the most violent thing that i've seen thus far in the show or at least intimated violence which um they didn't do a whole lot of intimated violence for their own 
purposes and reasons. So was says sounds weird to say, but it was nice to have some intimated violence for for an action show, I guess. <laughs> uh, agreed, and yeah. So for all these these uh, reasons, I think uh, of very strong score per per zeta standards i gave visuals and animation a seven out of ten wow yeah uh i gave it the same exact score uh (laughs) seven out of ten we are uh we're on the same uh, track here so far but yeah for zeta as far as that's concerned it's uh it's it's uh it was a different episode was not expecting it pleasantly surprised so all right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music, once again, done by the great Lolita Ritmanis. Um, mm-hmm. I have very little to talk about other than maybe the main event for maybe the entire episode, but certainly when it comes to music, <laughs> which is the Cody Koala candy jingle. <laughs> yeah, we get to hear it like two or three times. Um, yeah, I felt like a lot of the factory bit, at least when it was like uh, Crick sort of being menacing and and talking to Agent Lee, we didn't really have music in a lot of that scenes. It felt like the music laid out for a lot of those beats mm-hmm. and really only came in when you got your you know your action sequences with the big explosions and everything towards the end. Um, so not a lot of musical notes, uh, literally and figuratively, I thought, <laughs> other than. Well, let's just get to it then. The uh, the aforementioned Cody Koala jingle. Yeah. Um, I tried my best to find a transcribed uh, version of the song and uh, came up empty. So instead, I'll just play the clip right here. Have some candy, eat some sweets, koala candies, can't be beat. Licorice, caramel, lollipops, chili beans, chocolate bars, lemon drops. And what an incredible clip it was, <laughs> Liam. Uh, it is instantly remember- uh, memorable, instantly uh, earworm worthy. Uh, five stars for that piece. Miss Ritmanis clearly had Absolutely. a lot of fun. Uh, in writing an imaginary candy company's jingle like how can you you go to work like i'm not i'm not a uh, obviously a, a paid uh orchestral uh you know musician i'm not uh, i'm not <laughs> not here uh writing and composing pieces for television shows but i can't imagine how fun it must have been to or i can imagine how fun it must have been to come to work that day and see write a jingle for an imaginary candy company called the cody koala candy company uh clearly she had a lot of fun the lyrics work very reminiscent i guess we didn't talk about this in visuals but maybe the koalas are also supposed to uh remind you of oompa loompas a little bit in the way that they're working at the candy factory uh so yeah uh not uh it's not like a homage in any way that i recognize to the the classic willy wonka songs but uh it is in the same vein it's goofy it's it's memorable uh so for all those reasons solely on the basis of that composition i ended up giving music a six out of ten for this week what about you yeah i once again gave it the exact same score of six out of ten uh not much else to write home about besides the the song, but again, we don't get uh, we don't get things like this a chance for our uh, our composers and, and writers to stretch their 
their creative muscles like this with a, an in-universe jingle too often. So uh, got to give uh, got to give special props when we get that. Absolutely. All right, Liam, let's move on to our final category of the day, which does once again feature uh, some of the same voices that we talked about in our first episode, but uh, we don't have a large cast, uh, but we, of course, do have our two agents, we have our two stars, and then we have... uh, we have a very memorable and often found in DCAU show uh, member playing uh, our Cody the Koala. He does get a voice check. So uh, let's talk about our small but mighty voice cast for this week. That's right. So uh, voicing the aforementioned Cody Koala, really he's just singing, I guess, for the most part in this episode, mm-hmm. is uh, is the uh, is the great Jeff Bennett. Uh, we've talked about him plenty of times, but the uh, voice of Johnny Bravo, the voice of Dexter's dad on Dexter's Laboratory, and, and just a trillion other uh, uh, voices across very many cartoons, including many DC cartoons, but uh, always fun when, uh, when he pops up. And then... Uh, uh, other than our regulars, who we'll get to in a moment, uh, we do have Keith Sarabajka. Uh, apologies, I'm almost positive I'm messing that up. But uh, voicing Crick, he's been in things like Argo, um, uh, has done a lot of uh, a lot of guest spots on on various uh, on various TV. A lot of like one episode here, one episode here, mm-hmm. but of a CSI and a law and order, that, that type of, uh, kind of, uh, working, working actor, I believe they're called. And, uh, and, uh, I, again, he's, he gets to be, again, considering how, and they, they actually mentioned that. I think that's also from the, the world's finest interview, um, is, uh, is that they, they kind of mentioned that, uh, you know, kids WB as mentioned really wanted this to be a very kid friendly and they mean, you know, six and under friendly show. And so the uh, the people making the show's uh, decision was, well, what if we set an episode in like the most kid friendly possible place, a candy factory, and then wrote this really sinister bad guy who's, you know, a real weird creep <laughs> into it <laughs> as uh, as like a little bit of uh, a little bit of su- subversion to the uh, to the concept. But yeah, I think Mr. Uh, Sar that's the last time I'm going to try to pronounce it just out of respect. Zarabachka Zara uh, does a, a very good job. Uh, I'm just going to call him Keith because his name is Keith. Mr. Keith does a, does a great job as, uh, as Crick being, uh, again, f- considering you can't say kill or death or, or anything like that. I think he, he, he gets, uh, gets away with being quite menacing for this, uh, this television show aimed at, uh, aimed at the youngsters. He's mean, he's creepy, he's sinister, Mm -hmm. and you want to see him get his tail handed to him by the end of the episode. And when he does, I was happy. So, yeah, I'd say uh, he he meets the criteria for a a good casting choice and uh, and for pulling off that uh, that that characterization well. So, yes, great job. Absolutely. And then in our our main regular cast, we have. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum, of course, the great as as uh, as Agent West, um, uh, just just playing this completely oblivious buffoon from the first part of the episode when they're arguing about how he's like, aha, I knew we'd find them here. And Agent Lee is, uh, of course, played by the great Lauren Tom is very, very more matter of fact of like, no, they sent us to the middle of nowhere because they were trying to get rid of us because Agent Bennett hates you. <laughs> and and uh, and we just got lucky and happened to come across them. 
Um, so I, I, th- I think uh, I think Lauren Tom and Michael Rosenbaum get a lot get get some fun stuff, but uh, Michael Rosenbaum especially gets to kind of be the comedy comedy relief playing off of uh, not only Miss Tom but also uh, Julie Nathanson as Roe as mentioned. So uh, always fun to have in have him in there, and then uh, yes, uh, Miss Lauren Tom as mentioned uh, actually gets a lot to do in this episode as she kind of has to deal with a lot of things, not only being sort of the, the proactive agent, the agent who actually has her, her ish together, but then she has to be the, uh, you know, the, she kind of has to play being menaced by this, you know, this, this creep. And then she also has to play sort of this conflicted side when she, she sort of realizes that maybe, maybe she's been wrong about Zeta this whole time. And maybe he's actually a hero all the way to the end where she, as, as mentioned, decides not to bring him in and decides to let him go um uh unsurprisingly given how how often we've gotten to sing her praises on this show during her uh various roles across the dcau uh lauren tom does a great job today yeah she's really good i think it's easy to forget especially when she's probably mostly known as dana and dana kind of takes a back seat mm-hmm. uh the later the the in in the later seasons of batman beyond uh doesn't have as many starring roles throughout that series it's sometimes easy to forget i feel like uh that she's really a really accomplished good actress and uh mm-hmm. it, this episode i i felt like she plays off uh certainly plays off michael rosenbaum very well uh as the, you know the straight man to his goofy uh, agent west and then uh, as we go throughout the episode her, her interactions with crick her interactions with zeta even at the at the very end uh yeah very very emotional as as we can see this sort of turning of the tides and how she's perceiving zeta uh you see that kind of go throughout the the characterization throughout the episode and then kind of landing on this at the end where she decides to let him go so uh yeah very very strong performance this week from from uh from miss lauren tom and it shouldn't be surprising but i again i feel like it sneaks up on you sometimes because of uh just how little she ends up being used in those later later episodes of beyond absolutely yeah she is uh like you said maybe maybe you can kind of uh forget her or let her slip into the background because she dana gets like two lines per beyond episode most mm-hmm. of the time but yes and then of course as mentioned we have once again julie nathanson as roe and Dietrich Bader as Zeta again, not as much for them to do because we have our our villain and and Miss Tom taking up a lot of the the main voice acting roles. But I, I do really like the the interaction between Agent West, Michael Rosenbaum, and and Julie Nathanson's uh, row outside when he's like, "No, you're trying to trick me. I'm going to go in first. And she very, very again, very as you mentioned this straight from Willy Wonka says mm-hmm. uh, pretty much says, uh, you know, don't stop, come back mm-hmm. in, uh, in almost that exact, just tremendously delivered by, uh, by Miss Nathanson. So they get a, a little bit of levity as mentioned, when we have such a, a sinister bad guy threatening uh, to do such terrible things to, uh, to Agent Lee and, and Zeta on the inside. And then, and then, yeah, uh, Deidre Peter again, he doesn't, he doesn't talk a lot because he's hiding and, and uh and and disguising himself for a lot of the episode but uh again always as mentioned him and miss nathanson always a uh a highlight of this episode um so i would say for for all those reasons again this being just a really strong episode vocally 
another probably record for for high uh, voice acting score. I gave voice acting an eight out of ten. My goodness, we matched scores up and down the scorecard <laughs> today because I ended up giving it an eight out of ten too. Yeah, for all those reasons, I think Miss Tom's performance, uh, Keith's performance as Crick. Um, yeah, and 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 even the even the quips and the comedy bits between uh, Michael Rosenbaum and uh, and Roe, I thought were were really really solid. So up and down here, even though our main our main and may, perhaps our strongest voice actor had the least to do for the episode, of Mr. Bader, uh, it's uh, it's still a, a strong performance, and I guess it's indicative of this this episode's strong performances up and down the card here. Even though it also wasn't a big uh, big voice cast either, so. Uh, a a pleasant surprise, but a welcome one uh, to be sure. Absolutely. All right, Liam. Well, let's total up our scores. Uh, I think we're going to have the same exact score as long as I do my math correctly here. But uh, totaling everything up at the end here, I end up with this has to be a record for Zeta episodes. A twenty-seven out of forty. That's right. And as mentioned, we we were matching in each category, so I also have the exact same score. If uh, yeah, this has to be a record for Zeta. All right. not, not since that guy shouted my stockpiles have I had, <laughs> have I had such a good time watching the Zeta project. Definitely the greatest Zeta line of all time. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's not. I don't think there's going to be a challenge to that one uh, as we go along here. But uh, I don't think this is an ep- again. I don't think any of the Zeta episodes, the Batman Beyond crossover episode notwithstanding, are must watches. Uh, but I think if you're grading on a curve or if you're looking at, Hey, is there a Zeta project episode that I can watch and not feel like, you know, uh, I want to, uh, go do anything, but watch this, I would say maybe this episode, you know? So yeah. I, give it a eh, half thumbs up, like a sideways, <laughs> the orange cast. Eh, maybe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I think this gets the, the ever so slightest thumbs up. And uh, as far as importance to the series, as mentioned, unlike the other episode we talked about today, it does uh, further things along and, uh, and like we said, gives a uh, new new depth to the the Agent Lee character. So that's uh, true. Important to the series and uh, a pretty solid episode overall. So uh, shock of shocks. No one's more shocked than than the two of us that we're saying that this is a a, a even approaching a one thumb up for rewatchability but here we are that's where we are all right liam well that will begin to wrap us up for this week's episode if you listen to this episode thank you so much we know that it's a bit of a slog to get through these but hopefully you enjoy the comedy and the enjoyment uh, and the dialogue along the way Uh, if you do like the podcast and uh, wish to support us You can go ahead and do so a myriad of ways. A couple of the free ways to do so are to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. We're on all of the major podcast apps, including Apple and Spotify. Uh, Spotify, of course, gives you the opportunity to interact with us. We put up a weekly question and a poll that you can interact with. If you're on there, you listen to us, give us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. We know that Apple allows you to leave a five-star review also and leave a little blurb. In fact, uh, we've been telling you as listeners, if you leave a five-star review, we'll read it on the air. And if you're in the continental United States, we'll send you a little thank you gift. Liam, our thank you gifts to our last two reviews are going out this week as uh, at the time of recording. And uh, wouldn't you know it, we got surprised with another five-star review this week to read on the air. 
uh, man, it's like people are are feeling really enticed by the offering of us sending them free stuff. Hey, uh, hey whatever. It works we're, not, for us. we're not afraid to bribe. That's right. Uh, but yes, uh, we want to thank everybody who does take the time. You can just do that. Wanna, if, like we always say, it helps us just to give us five stars. But if, uh, if the app you're uh, listening to us on allows you to actually leave a little blurb, appreciate it. Hey, you can make it two words. Just say good show. I'll read it. If it's there you five go. Stars, only if it's five stars, I'll read it. That's but, right. It has to be five stars, but we didn't say it has to be a paragraph. Yeah, you could, you could just say good show and we'll read that too. Uh, but this is from The Football Fanatic. And uh, it, it says, do you want to hear straight talk on the pros and cons of the DCAU? This is the podcast for you where they break down each episode even the Zeta project, much to their chagrin, boy, howdy, you had no idea, buddy. And delivery, and so I should read this. I, I, I editorialized and ruined the flow of this uh, review, uh, where they break down each episode, even the Zeta project, much to their chagrin, and deliver you an entertaining, knowledgeable podcast. So thanks to the football fanatic. Uh, if you want to reach out to us via the DMs or 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 publicly. Uh, on Twitter or Instagram, or I swear I'll check the Threads account um, <laughs> one of these days. And so I'll, I, if you contacted me there, I'll see it there. But uh, uh, either way, reach out to us if you're, as you said, if you're in the U.S. And we'll be uh, we'll be happy to send you a little gift. But uh, either way, we do appreciate, as we always say, Cal. That's a, that's a great free way to uh, to support the podcast. That's right. You support us. We support you with little tchotchkes. So thank you uh, to those that have already done so. Uh, if you want to support us uh, monetarily, uh, financially, there's uh, ways to do that in the show notes. You can check that out. There's a link to our store. Buy yourself a shirt, mug, hat, something, sticker. Uh, you can do that all on that site. Uh, you can also check out the support us monthly link as well. We have a few supporters that give their hard-earned cash so that Liam and I can buy ourselves coffee and keep our our real jobs, our, our day jobs, <laughs> uh, and uh, keep us awake and aware for those. So thank you to our monthly supporters and those that uh, give us their hard-earned dollars monthly. All right, Liam. So that means that as we come to the end of this week's episode, our short stint here in the future we are looking towards next weekend with our next episode and uh, with it being spooky season and halloween soon being upon us we figured it's time to get into the spirit or spirits of things with a halloween themed review next week that's right and so we're, we're heading back to another familiar universe though one we haven't tackled in at least a few months here uh, that being the world of Batman, the Brave and the Bold. And uh, the episode is entitled Trials of the Demon. And uh, it's really, really, I think only our uh, our, our, our prologue is going to take place specifically on Halloween. But uh, the episode, uh, the main episode does also feature Etrigan the Demon. And, you know, what's scarier than a demon? So it, it fits. The theme fits. Don't at me. That's right. We've already we've already reviewed the Long Halloween. So if you want to hear right. our review of the Long Halloween movie, you can check that out in the archives. And, but and we just did the Batman like two weeks ago, so we can't do the Batman versus Dracula this year. We're giving it a break. <laughs> right. Come back next year for more of the Batman. That's now, right. You got the Batman, the Brave and the Bold, and you're gonna like it. It's gonna That's be right. fun. Can't wait to tackle that with you. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review.
goodbye, but like a spooky goodbye. 